America, Washington, D.C., signing on. edition of Radio Contra coming at you from the great state of Wyoming out here near Rock Springs at an undisclosed location deep in the mountains and enjoying the isolation out here. Uh, You know, and of course, we're out here for a couple of classes. I'm out here, got RTO, advanced RTO and signals intelligence that are coming up. And right now we got Mech Medic, who is teaching the Partisan Lifesaver course out here. And man, oh man, we're just having a heck of a good time with Mr. Tony from Wyoming Survival uh, and his blog online. Of course, you can catch him on his site, Wyoming Survival, and, of course, also his Instagram page where he's got a lot of content that goes up on a regular basis. We're going to have some of the guys from Tactical Training International out here, too, and hopefully, hopefully, with any luck during this week, we're going to have a little bit of a roundtable where we talk about training, off-grid living, and and whatever else. We've been tossing around a lot of great ideas since we have been out here. But like I said, uh, Wyoming has is, is been absolutely gorgeous since I've been out here. Took a few days to slow things down a little bit, focus on the book. The book is coming right along, rocking and rolling, and it's good stuff. Uh, it is good stuff, and it's something uh, right now we're sitting at uh, about three chapters deep, coming in right around 50 pages, and I think that there's a, a whole lot of content in there that you guys are going to really benefit from, and you're really going to enjoy. And I know I'm having a lot of fun uh, writing it, finally getting things organized, getting stuff in, in a good process of course this is the the first book of its kind that that i've ever put together um you know there, there's the handbook for the rto courses and this is this, i'm i'm just really excited uh overall really excited really excited to get this thing kicked out there because this is going to benefit a lot of people and i think um, it's going to have a very wide reach and it's the first of a few books that i have planned uh but you know I really, really appreciate, again, everybody who has supported this podcast through the patron program. Uh, Of course, there's the Lessons from the Farm series that are available for download and the entire back catalog as well for as little as a dollar a month. You can get that entire back catalog for a $5 a month contribution. You have access to the Lessons from the Farm series and you know, a lot of people have been supporting this podcast. And I really appreciate it. Um, I think that it's very special to me that this podcast on Podbean, uh, one of the largest podcasting hosting platforms on Podbean, still, even after many days of, of travel and kind of falling off of the grid a little bit, getting things done on my end, taking that time to get this, you know, Things squared away, getting bigger, larger, better plans in motion to really serve this community in as many ways as possible 
how this podcast can still have such a giant following, still come in number three, come in number three, right behind Glenn Beck and right on radio. And being ahead of such greats as Mark Levin and Michael Savage and these guys who are incredibly well-known national syndicated radio show hosts and, you know, have, have brought a lot to the community in their own right. And, you know, this, it's this community, it's this community. I tell people a lot when, when, uh, I have them in class or, or when I talk to people, you know, they say, how, how, what is it about this podcast? What is it about you? That's, that's bringing people out. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with this community, this community. And this community has given me so much, so many opportunities. And, you know, we, we were having an in-depth conversation last night while we were uh, knocking back a few beers and uh, having some, some uh, Bighorn whiskey. Uh, so big shout out to, to Willie and the crew at Bighorn Whiskey up in Ennis, Montana. They, they put out an amazing product by the way but we were sipping a little bit of fine whiskey and we were watching the wild bunch uh which is a classic western one of my favorite movies of all time uh that we've talked about over on the forum and we were having that conversation about this this overall this this community what it has given what it has uh it has been able to do and the opportunities that it has afforded me personally uh, for personal development, personal growth, through giving training, through guidance, through the interaction with this larger community. And I get to see the difference that it makes. I get to see that. So, you know, for, for folks out there who get blackpilled, you know, you, you see the news, you get involved in the politics, you, you know, you, you watch all the stuff, you follow, you know, great guys in, in this larger liberty community like, you know, Tucker Carlson, for example, and Glenn Greenwald and these guys who are really out there that, that are at the forefront of all this. And some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about in this episode and you get beat down because you think that nothing ever changes, nothing ever, um, you know, makes a difference. Nothing ever is, is, is really going to change. And, and what's the point behind all this? And there's a lot of people that fall prey to it. And I'll be quite honest with you. I do too. Uh, I do too, because we're all human. We're all human. And, and there are those days where uh, life beats you down and, and you start to really get negative about everything and say, you know, hey, it, 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 am I the only one? Is anything going to ever change for the positive? Is anything going to get better? And I'm here to tell you that it will. The way that you beat it, the way that you beat those sinking feelings, the way that you beat that feeling of despair, that black pill effect, is that you get your head screwed on straight and you realize this is the first thing that you need to tell yourself is that you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. I know it sounds cliche, but you have to do it. You have to take it upon yourself. Quit sitting back and waiting for somebody else to act. It needs to begin with you. It needs to begin with you. And and this podcast is proof positive of that. If you are willing to put in the effort, the right people will listen. The right people will find you. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, and and, and I've talked a lot about social media and how, you know, I'm not super big on social media for a lot of reasons. And that's for organizational purposes. But if you are, uh, if, if that's your thing, if, if social media is the way that you, you reach the masses and you're able to make a uh, difference and an influence that way, then great. So be it. Um, but understand that, that when you are organizing for purpose, when you are, uh, when, when you are interacting with others for, for a political change, just understand what the dangers and the pitfalls of social media actually are. Uh, which are a lot. Now, again, I've talked about them in depth. I've done uh, many, many podcasts talking about them all the way back in the archives. Of course, you know, I've done many, many episodes and I've caught some flack because there's a lot of people out there who, uh, for lack of knowledge 
and lack of operational experience and, and not really knowing what they don't know, their knee-jerk reaction, because they have their quote-unquote friends, you know, online, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Gab or wherever else, and they they think that they're they're, you know, by them interacting with one another and not really getting outside of that bubble that, that you know, that, that it's cathartic to them. And they see that as a, a kind of a slap in the face. Well, you know, if, if, you're organizi- if, if you are organizing for purpose, I had to get my words out. If you're organizing for purpose, you know, it, let's say you're, you're quote unquote militia, right? You guys don't need to be on social media. Um, you, you need to get you you need to get off social media because it's it's just too easy to map the people of your organization. It's just too easy to map your interactions, and I'm, I promise you, somebody is doing that. Um, if you are organizing for political change, if you're organizing for social change, there are people with a vested interest in preventing you from doing that, and it just so happens that those people are the ones who have a monopoly on the social media platforms, um, despite what they may tell you to your face. And I mean, we're learning this with, uh, Elon Musk and and the Twitter controversy, the buying of Twitter, um, you know, and that all boils down to the question about exactly how many bots are there on Twitter. And, And it's being exposed on a daily basis that Twitter has got a lot more bots on it than, was first estimated, um, you know, and, and we, we're, we're finding out a lot of things. And when you're talking about a publicly traded company that is uh, built on a certain product and everything is ad driven and the revenue from ads themselves, you know, and, and all of a sudden you come to find out a lot of these numbers uh, may or may not be inflated. We, do, we really don't know. Uh, we really don't know, and and that's the fundamental question about it all. You're entering some dangerous territory at that point, and that's just one platform. You know what what do we know about Facebook? What do we know about Gab? What do we know about Parler? What do we know about all of these other Getter, uh, Truth Social? You know, and and again, if if that's your thing, if that's your your reaching out to the world, if that's how you get your message out there, then fine. Uh, then great, you know, more power to you. But I'm here to tell you if, if you're organizing for purpose and there's a distinct difference there, uh, there's a distinct difference there. But if, if you're organizing for purpose, um, social media might not be the way to do it. It needs to be in person. It needs to be people at a local most level, uh, that you know, that you interact with. You know, and again, I can talk about that all day, and we this is all coming out of conversations that, that we've had here uh, for the past few days that I've been out here, and, and it's just been it's just been an incredible experience. Uh, and I'll be quite frank, it, it was one that, that was needed on my part, uh, because every once in a while, you know, we need to get away. And, and, and I have been working, uh, obviously. Uh, have, have been working the the work is perpetual it's non-stop but being out here and getting that little bit of isolation um is is always always a good thing it's always a good thing for your mind it's always a good thing for your soul and with that being said you know i, I also want to give a big shout out a happy father's day because today is father's day and uh as of this recording and and to all the fathers out there um being a dad you know, being, being present with your kids, being a dad, being there and, and teaching and inspiring and, and giving that kick in the ass every once in a while when it's needed, you know, thank you. Uh, thank you to all the fathers out there. Uh, you know, get out there, uh, spend it with your family, spend that time because it, it's fleeting and it goes quick. Uh, it absolutely goes quick and never, ever forget what's most important in life. And that's your family. That is your family, whether it's it's your biological family, whether it's your your closest friends, your confidants, but they're your family too, you know, and, and, and spend that time with them because it is critically important. So, and again, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. 
Now, quick shout out to the show sponsors. Of course, the incredible Civil Defense Manual, both volumes of that, Jack Lawson's books. I wrote the Camo chapter in it. If you don't have it already, if you want guidelines of how to set up your militia, how to secure a rural retreat or a neighborhood, Civil Defense Manual is the book. And looking at the headlines, of the world here, especially in the United States, I'd say it's a pretty good book to get. Um, I would say that 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 might be one of your starting points. Of course, not an end point, tactical wisdom. Joe Dolio, my very good friend, frequent guest of the show, guy I had in class out in Michigan. It seems like it was so long ago and it was just one month. Uh, just one month since I was out there, and it seems like it was it was an eternity ago, uh, because that's how fast things are, are moving on my end. But man, oh man, I'm telling you, if if uh, you you want his three volume set, you want some great knowledge in a very well written package. That is the way to go, and of course, it's all biblically based, biblically based preparedness. And, and he is right now working on his fourth volume. So I'm really excited to get my hands on that because he's got a writing style that I certainly click with him being a Marine Corps uh, veteran and a career uh, investigator on his end. He's got a, a writing style that everybody can relate to. Uh, he certainly doesn't talk above anybody. And, and I, for one, really, really appreciate that myself. So, Tactical Wisdom series. Uh, of course, you can go to his blog, his website, tacticalwisdom.com, or you can get his books over on Amazon. Now, my very good friends, Blacksmith Publishing, Paul LeFevre, Mike Blackburn, two legends in the special operations community, still very, very much involved in it, and publishers of an incredible number of books incredibly well written of course paul is a active pastor and his book iron sharpening iron is a all-time must read i think if you're a red-blooded american male you need to read that book you owe it to yourself to read that book of course u.s army small unit tactics manual was a culmination of over 40 years combined special operations experience uh, both on the operational end and in um, their instructor capacity at the small unit tactics course of the Army's SF qualification course, special forces qualification course. And that book is a must read and it's huge. I'm going to go on and give you a heads up. It is a huge book, but I think at its price point, it is a steal and it is the best book I've ever read on uh, small unit tactics in one comprehensive volume. Uh, so between him and Mike Blackburn, what an incredible, uh, incredible couple of guys. And, and I was honored to have them on back in episode 97. And they have their own podcast, by the way. Uh, if you go to the homepage of Radio Contra, radiocontra.podbean.com, Dot com and you scroll down to the bottom to podcasts that I personally follow. And this is stuff I listen to. I listen to these podcasts on a daily basis when I'm traveling, when I'm working out, uh, doing stuff in and out of the truck. I'm listening to podcasts and their podcast, The Pinelander, uh, The Pinelander, incredibly well done. They had me as a guest on there early on. I think it was in episode three. And uh, we discussed a, a lot of political affairs, but but their their uh, podcast very well done, and um, you know I, I'm looking forward to having them back on in the near future. Um, so I, I will be getting them back on as guests. But anyhow, Blacksmith Publishing, and I put I put up a lot of links to their books over on AmericanPartisan.org as well. So if you're not following AmericanPartisan.org, if it's not a daily visit, of course, that is my website, daily news aggregator, and original content of a wide variety of different things, uh, survival topics, communications topics, firearms, you name it. 
we've got it. And it's my effort in giving this community the very, very best possible from everything, from everything across the Met, daily news and what have you, you name it, I'm putting it up. So anyhow, with all of that said, uh, diving into some of the news headlines here, skimming the headlines on AmericanPartisan.org. Uh, some of the things that it's been of note, uh, U.S. Capitol Police arrest Stephen Colbert. Of course, we know Stephen Colbert, uh, kind of a, a rot gut sellout comedian uh, running the, the late show. He took Letterman's spot. Um, his staffers at uh, the House of Representatives, they tried to get in. Um, you know, and of course he's, he got his start on the daily show, uh, with John Stewart back in the day. And then he had his own show for a little while on, uh, over on comedy central where he kind of played this fake conservative, um, you know, kind of, a, a, a parody of, uh, Fox news commentary kind of deals what he had. And, and, uh, specifically he was, I think he was targeting Bill O'Reilly back then. But anyway, as, as a while back, they he took Letterman's spot after, after Letterman retired and, uh, the veil really started coming off at that point. And, and this guy is just really a, a, a nasty, nasty liberal. I mean, he, it's, it, you know, it, it, I mean, it's one thing if people have different political opinions. All right. But everything that he says, it's not funny. It's mean-spirited. Um, it, you know, and, and but anyway, he's claiming that uh, they had press passes and, of course, they got turned down. And that's pretty bad when, when your own political party that you're cheerleading for is kind of kicking you back from, from the press corps out there. But anyway, they tried to get in illegally, uh, unlawfully. And were arrested uh, and charged with illegal entry. Um, That's pretty significant to me, not because I, I really care either way what happens to them, um, but I am interested to see the differential treatment here. Uh, this was something that quickly got buried in the news cycle. Nobody was really talking about it very much, and you know they're not being held in absentia. Uh, they're not being held with the January 6th pr- political prisoners who are being held um, unlawfully and uh, still most of them not charged with anything. And it's just very interesting to me to see that, you know, it, this is a, um, a facade, a placation saying, oh, you know, hey, we, we're going to arrest them too. And, and who knows, this, this whole thing by Stephen Colbert may even be just a, a, a ploy uh, on part of the powers that be to make it look like they're being objective. Um, we don't know. Uh, we don't know. So that's, that's very significant to me. Uh, scrolling down, of course, we've got Ashley Biden blaming uh, showers with her dad. And of course that would be the current resident of the white house Uh, showers with my dad, which were probably not appropriate. She's blaming them in her journal for lifelong sexual issues. Yeah, I I suppose so. Uh, I suppose so. That's, that's a little odd diving into the, uh, the details of that. There's just a lot of weird things that are, that are coming out of this family. Um, the irregularities that if uh, people were investigating any other family, they, they probably would, would have more questions than answers. Um, this, this would probably lead to, to some serious stuff, but you know, they're the Bidens. They're, they're a certain political category. They are, you know, that power elite above uh, all of you and I, us, us proles out there, the proletariat, they, they're, they're part of that bourgeois class. And of course, they operate as as we know by different set of rules uh, than we do, and so this is it, it's it's significant to me. Uh, Lake Mead, of course, is going dry. So you know, if if you're out there in Las Vegas, this is um, gonna be 
one that you might want to pay attention to. Um, I put up a, a couple of videos about Lake Mead of uh, some guys that, that are sport fishermen and, and uh, spend their time in the outdoors out there in the desert. And, you know, this is, this is looking bad. Uh, this is a bad situation. And if Lake Mead hits a particular level, they're going to have to shut down Las Vegas. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of causal factors there. Of course, the environmentalists are out there blaming climate change and what have you. Um, you know, and, and of course, they spare no opportunity to take responsibility for their own short-sighted policies. But it is important to understand that, that the Lake Mead conundrum is very similar to the drying up of the Aral Sea uh, back during the, the Soviet Union era. And if, if you're not familiar with the story of the Aral Sea, the Soviet Union wanted cotton production to rival that of the United States. And they began uh, a system of terraforming uh, territory that, that was traditionally desert and uh, high desert Central Asian steppes and, and, and uh, that plateau out there that is traditionally dry and, and not arable land. But they were uh, using the Aral Sea to irrigate uh, and, and thinking that with water reclamation that they could build a permaculture out there that, that was unnatural. And it didn't work. Um, it dried the sea up. It kind of uh, left a, a ghost town out there. And the infant mortality rate, which is you know intricately linked to uh, the environmental factors out there, the infant mortality rate went through the roof and still has. Uh, still has for that region around the Aral Sea. The, uh, the fish population went completely away. And it destroyed the environment. Uh, it absolutely destroyed the environment. And, you know, the, the Lake Mead conundrum that we're in looks very similar to me. Uh, now, you know, I'm not an environmental, necessarily uh, vi environmental expert uh, by any means, but it does look similar. There's a lot of parallels to be drawn there. And it, it looks like there was a lot of lessons that haven't been learned. Um, now, how much of that water is going to California? Uh, you know, I don't know personally, I, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that California requires a huge amount of water. And when you go through those, uh, hundred year cycles where you have, uh, dry spells during that, and then you have, you know, monsoon seasons that come through and it just so happens that this year, uh, a lot of that moisture went north and, and you had flooding in Yellowstone. You know, I, I'm not too far from Yellowstone right now. And Yellowstone is completely shut down because of the amount of rainfall that they got. Um, we got a little bit of measurable rainfall here last night. And I, you know, I'm, I'm down near Rock Springs right now. And it, it's just interesting. Uh, the whole thing is interesting. And, and, you know, you have those years like that. So if you have an unnatural if you, if you have an unnatural system of um, taking water, right, and, and, you know, using the environment in ways that, that, are, that it's not traditionally uh, engineered to, to do, the, the way that it, the, the natural lay of the land, basically, kind of going against the, the grain of things, you're going to run into problems. And that's exactly what's happened here and, and what appears to continue to happen. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're out in Vegas, you're, you're out in that area, you know, hats off to you, but, uh, I would be definitely looking at, uh, more stable options because it, it ain't looking good. Now, uh, you know, on that note, I had a, a friend who, uh, many, many years ago, who's, you know, not really a political guy by any means and not really, uh, somebody that, you know, he, he's an academic and he doesn't really care about politics either way. Um, but he made a comment to me once in a conversation, we were talking about, uh, you know, different things and, uh, you know, civil conflicts and whatnot. And he said, you know, civil conflict boils down to economics. And of course we know this. Okay. We know this, but economics frequently boil down to water rights. 
And that was something that I had never really thought about. You know, coming from the East Coast, there's water everywhere. Uh, there's fresh water everywhere. And so, well, we've had a little bit of uh, uh, squabbles here and there over water rights and, and different things because we've got industrial pollution from, you know, mills and factories and stuff that uh, throughout the, the 20th century that a lot of industrial runoff, uh, agricultural runoff and whatnot. We've had soil contamination and everything, but the question of, of fresh water has not really been one that, that has caused a big fight. But when you get out west, when you get out here, it does, uh, and very much so. And so that's why, to me, this Lake Mead story is so important because it leads to more important questions, you know, more uh, deeper questions. When you have, um, you know, you, uh, the Colorado River that is feeding a, a lot of the water needs for Southern California, what does this do long term when – you know, maybe California is is going to see such an increase in, in their water needs and Colorado says, well, you're going to pay us more for those water rights. Or Nevada is going to say, you pay, you're going to pay us more. That's going to lead to significant conflict down the road. Now, right now, of course, these kinds of things are settled with the Bureau of Land Management and in courtrooms and lawsuits and whatnot. But what happens when that fails? What happens when that stops? What happens when this thing, because there's a lot of talk about balkanization. There's early talk about secession. There's uh, some pieces that have been written recently uh, that some folks sent over to me about, uh, you know, likely scenarios of, of civil war and whatnot. And there's a lot of political unrest. And, you know, that, that's one of the things that here on Radio Contra we talk about a lot. So I would say, me personally, and, and you know, knowing what I know and being somewhat well-educated on, on the topic with professional degrees in sociology and criminology, uh, that water rights are going to be one of the flashpoints. Uh, I don't think it is a complete flashpoint. I think that it is a secondary flashpoint. The primary flashpoint that we're going to have is economic. And that that's going to be the big one. It's not going to be, uh, you know, the the uh, conservatives, you know, rising up against, uh, you know, unlawful, tyrannical uh, red flag laws, which, you know, are, are being proposed. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if that gets passed or not. I think that it's it. I think that what we're seeing out of Congress right now is a lot of posturing, is a lot of symbolic gesturing. Um, I'm very, very unhappy with with uh, the Republican Politburo, of course, uh, you know, caving on this. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. If, if you're, again, going back to the, the first part of the show, if you're sitting around expecting Republicans to do the, the will of the, the silent majority, the mostly silent majority out there, you, you're sadly mistaken. Uh, they ain't going to do it, okay? It begins with you. It begins with you speaking out. So um, I think that, you know, the, the, the laws, the firearms bans, what have you, we'll see if that stuff passes or not. It could be one of those lame duck sessions where it does. Um, if, of course, we have the, the 2022 elections go the way that, that they're being predicted to. Uh, but again, don't, don't assume that. Okay, don't assume that. But I don't think that that the passing of those laws is going to lead to a civil conflict. Uh, I don't see that happening. I don't see um, conservatives in mass rising up and saying, you know, enough is enough. It all boils down to economics. Uh, you know, it, it, we were having that conversation last night. Um, you know, Mechmedic, myself, uh, a couple of the other guys that were here, Tony, uh, you know, we, we were kind of having this uh, off-the-cuff roundtable that, that was, you know, fueled by, by a couple of Rainier beers and, uh, you know, a, a good glass of, of uh, Spighorn whiskey. And we were talking about how, you know, what, what's the plan to pay your fighters? What's the incentive 
that guys are going to have in a guerrilla band. And it's not just for political change. There's something else. Um, you know, in, in the American Revolution, for example, the Continental Army got paid. And, and that was one of the big factors of Benedict Arnold switching sides was that he was paying his troops out of his own pocket. That was what generals did back then. And he was not being reimbursed by the Continental Congress. He had bought their uniforms. He had bought their arms. He had bought their munitions, their provisions. He was paying them and he was not being adequately reimbursed by the Continental Congress. He said, Hey, you know, look, you know, I'm, I'm a wealthy man by my own means. You know, Benedict Arnold was, was, uh, not from a wealthy family. He was not an aristocrat like many of, of the, the uh, founding fathers of America were. And he said, you know, I'm not made of money. I can't afford to do this. And, and they were putting him off and putting him off, and putting him off. And he said, you know, hey, I, I got to do what I got to do. Um, and he ended up, unfortunately, switching sides in, in the middle of the war. And, you know, that's a lesson, a very valuable lesson for a great many patriots out there who, who would be patriot leaders is how are you going to pay your guys? How are you going to compensate them for their time? What consideration have you made to their families in the event that, that they die for a cause? Uh, you know, and, and we see this issue over and over again, even in successful guerrilla movements. You know, let's look at Ireland. Uh, the IRA took very good care of the families of their fighters who fell. Uh, Tom Barry with uh, Guerrilla Days in Ireland covered that very, very extensively and in, uh, in depth. You know, what consideration has been made there? And so if, if you can barely afford a mortgage on your end, how are you going to support a group of fighters? And so it boils down to economics. Wars are, are fought over economic interests. I mean, Ukraine right now, I've talked about that in depth. I wrote, uh, you know, no blood for Burisma. I covered the, the levels of corruption in Ukraine, uh, the stuff that, that has gone on politically in Ukraine throughout the years. I chronicled that uh, and, and built a timeline around that. I've done podcasts in the past where I talked about the corruption, the levels of corruption just with Burisma. Uh, not the not the the uh, biological research program that was going on there, but just Burisma and the political players, the actors that are involved in it. And no, it's not just Hunter Biden. It's not just a Democrat thing. It's a Republican thing too. Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney is is waist deep in it, along with his family. So I digress. Civil wars and conflicts are fought over economic interests. And when we, we talk about, you know, $5 a gallon gas on average, uh, $6 a gallon diesel fuel, the economy is grinding to a halt. Uh, nobody can deny this. Nobody can deny these things. And so with the, the consumer price index through the roof, people are, are having a hard time making ends meet. This is being, this is being felt at the corporate level as well. Now, when you have... Government officials from the EPA, uh, from the uh, transportation department, from uh, you know the the various levels of government that have installed these these idiot leftists in there. Now, being a leftist doesn't necessarily make you an idiot in all cases. I have known some people that that I disagree with politically. They're very intelligent. We just have a you know differing opinion. They're ignorant about certain things, and it is what it is. But somebody like Jennifer Granholm, this is a person who fundamentally does not understand the reality that a lot of families out there are facing, that a lot of people out there at, at all levels, from, from upper middle class, you know, all the way down to, you know, our, our, uh, our, our low income folks, the, the, the real pinch that they're feeling. And a lot of small business owners, a lot of folks across every single industry are feeling that crunch right now, and it's falling on deaf ears. People like Pete Buttigieg, who is going to uh, you know, take however many months off for quote-unquote maternity leave. You are a gay man in a homosexual relationship who 
adopted a child, okay, you don't get that amount of time off, all right? You don't get that amount of time off. But these these are guys who have, uh, these are people who have shirked their responsibilities at the government level because there's never any accountability. This will lead to civil conflict. But it will be those business owners. It will be that the energy sector that is feeling the biggest amount of pinch in all of this. The independent oil producers in Texas. I get quite a bit of information from that sector on a daily basis. Stuff that is published in Texas uh, that is coming out of uh, their energy production and stuff that's coming from the Gulf as well. And, and I read all of that and I read between the lines. The independent producers of energy out there, and there's a lot of them, that are not part of the traditional standard oil cartel, which is running things, you know, the Rockefeller machine, which is running things in D.C. and running things with, with the greater part of the world. They are all in on this, this cable that's been running things across the world. They're, they're part of that power elite. And that's what we have now is, uh, you know, a, a good old-fashioned oil war going back, back and forth between Russian and Chinese interests and, and what they have, their stake, in that in the world and here in the United States uh, with Standard Oil. But we have those oil producers that are still independent, you know, the, the wildcatters that, that are out there, the people that are, are sitting on private oil reserves, uh, like the King Ranch, for example, and uh, a lot of the claims that are down in the Gulf, and they're struggling. You know, you, you have your companies up in, uh, you know, North Dakota that, that are seeing, you know, the anti-fracking, regulations, which have driven our energy costs up. Now, we were energy independent for a short amount of time. Gas prices were stable. And even at, at one point, the price of oil went negative uh, for a very, very brief moment in time. And that was specifically due to sound energy policy. Uh, but what we have now in, in, is, is trying to push fossil fuels out completely uh, push that all of that out completely and drive us towards this, this green energy stuff, which isn't going to work. It doesn't work on a big scale. And that's why you have Biden saying things like, you know, when we come out of this, and, and this is all purpose-driven, okay? It's all purpose-driven, and, and that's what the larger plan is. And when you look at where the, their investments are, uh, what they want is a large stake in the oil uh, markets across the world while not having the United States compete for them. And this is a strategy that they are following. Okay, so where, where does this lead us with civil conflict? Well, there's a lot that's been talked about with secession and conservative circles and saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, red, traditional red states, we're going to kind of go our own way. And, uh, you know, there's really no reconciliation between red states, blue states, and what have you. And, and a lot of the people, like in North Carolina, uh, a lot of the people who are migrating from traditional blue areas, like coming from the left coast out in California, and, uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, they're moving to North Carolina, they're coming in for the tech jobs. You know, the, the political ad campaigns for coming from the left at the localmost level are not even focused on people who live or are native to North Carolina. They gave up on that. Uh, they, the, the Democrat party gave up on that. If you look at the local campaign ads, which are hot and heavy right now, they don't even appeal to anybody that's in North Carolina. It's none of it is. Uh, it, it's all designed to appeal to people who have come here from out of state or come into North Carolina from out of state. And, and I'm willing to bet that that's the same case in a lot of places. Well, that brings us to, to the red states. Um, they see that, that there's no reconciliation. There's not going to be any reconciliation. There, there's nothing for us. But how do you get the ball rolling on that? Because politics are a reflection of economics, right? That brings us back to the central point. And... When you, you come to that realization, you understand that politicians are elected based on interests of, of the people who 
donate the most to their campaigns. And, and this is true both on the left and the right. I don't want to hear it from the lefties to say, you know, everything's grassroots. That's bullshit. All your stuff is astroturfed and you know it. Okay, you know it. And politicians are elected based on based on certain interests. Now, you know, does that mean that they don't serve your interest? I mean, that that's up to you to decide. Okay. But there's not going to be a real secession effort, which will lead to a civil war because that's what happened last time. Um, there's not going to be a secession effort until economic interests say it's no longer viable for us to remain a part of this larger organism. Okay. And that time is coming, I believe. One of the causal factors that I think is, is going to trigger it, and it's going to trigger it quick, is the Fed is already raising interest rates. And we know that Russia has moved back to a gold standard for their oil. All right. These are all intersecting factors that are going to come together. Okay. And, and when they come together, because the Fed makes its money off of being the world's reserve currency. Countries in the world have to buy U.S. dollars from the U.S. Federal Reserve, because it's a private bank, in order to buy fuel. Well, now they have another option, and you've got India that's buying it from Russia, you've got China that's buying it from Russia, you've got uh, a major faction of OPEC, you've got Venezuela now, that has a huge amount of oil production capability that is deciding to not trade in U.S. dollars. That's a huge deal. We have not felt the impact of that yet. Okay, This world reserve currency status is what has allowed us to be so many trillions, tens of trillions of dollars in debt. This is what it's allowed us to do. We can't sustain that, okay? And so once the dollar is no longer the world reserve currency, that's the only thing keeping the independent energy sector in the United States still playing ball. As soon as that changes or it becomes jeopardized, they're punching out. And that's when you're going to see a big secession effort at that point. That's when the ball's really going to get rolling, okay? When that happens, coming back to where this comes into the, the whole story with Lake Mead, the wider battle over water rights, because as the states leave, as these individual states leave, they say, you know, we're going our own way. We're going to form a new nation out of this. Something that I was talking with uh, Mark O'Connell about in the last episode was the southeastern United States having such a huge number of warm water ports having such a, a massive, continuous coastline, having an underlying culture that is uh, you know, very well adapted to being on its own and being independent. Um, you know, and, and, and we have that in the southeastern United States and, and all the way into the southwest, uh, we have that. You know, and and there's, there's a lot of uh, folks out there who are completely fed up with the shenanigans that go on in certain parts of, of this country. And as soon as we shirk that off and we're done with that, you're going to see a little bit of a depression at first, but then there's going to be an economic explosion that's going to happen. Okay. It's, it's going to happen. It's coming. And th there's a lot of things that lead up to this. Okay. There's, there's a lot of work that, that will be done leading up to this and it will lead to conflict. It absolutely will lead to conflict, and, and we're on that road now. Uh, we're absolutely on that road now. But that's going to lead to an even wider battle over water rights. And there's a lot of areas out in California, Nevada, uh, parts of Arizona, you know, even right now where I sit in Wyoming, there, there's a lot of places that didn't necessarily have large populations naturally, okay? Naturally have large populations. You know, Ragnar Benson was quoted in one of his books saying, uh, I think it was a survival retreat, uh, which I got a couple copies of uh, floating around back home, that if, 
uh, an area did not support a large population of natives uh, back before colonization, it probably won't support you off-grid long-term. And I think that that's a, a pretty accurate statement, at, at least from you know my estimation of things. So applying that to wider geopolitics, understanding that you know water rights follow economics, and you know that that wider, broader commentary that my friend uh, sometime back told me about civil conflict, conflict between nations, uh, because you know, when when you have civil conflict, that is uh, it it could be a, a variety of different things internally, but more often than not, it leads to a schism and the birth of two new nations. Uh, which is, is, you know, usually the best outcome, uh, the best outcome of, of civil conflict. So what we're seeing and, and what we will see, what I, I predict, if, if we continue on this path and, and secession becomes more and more of a conversation, and there's actually economic powers that are propelling it, okay, um, that's what we're going to see. And there's going to be an even wider war that is going to get kicked up over water rights. And there will be foreign intervention. Uh, there will be a peacekeeping effort. There will be um, that invited in, that element. And where are those people going to come from? Where is that force going to come from? Most logically, it will come from China. It will come from South America. It will come from Central America. And I'm going to be detailing that in, in uh, another episode, the next episode that I record. We're going to be talking about that specifically and the breakdown, of course, uh, Russia's moves in Nicaragua and what the, the wider picture there is. Uh, you know, and, and, and we went really, really deep into this uh, coming in 52 minutes on the clock here. I didn't... I didn't intend to go that deep into things, but it kind of rolls that way. Uh, this Lake Mead story is really, really important to focus in on, to pay attention to. Um, and you really need to be paying attention to it as well for a lot of reasons other than the fact that, you know, Las Vegas may not have any water very, very soon. Uh, they may not make it through the summer. And that's going to have a, a widespread economic impact as well. Um, you know, the, the tourism sector out there turns over a lot of money for the state of Nevada, turns over a lot of money in, in, you know, the wider entertainment industry here in the United States. You're talking about, you know, a, a huge amount of money that's now all of a sudden dried up, uh, tax revenue that's dried up. And, and you know, the, I didn't even dive into the widespread uh, issues that we're going to have coming out of that. So, you know, a lot of things are coming together a lot of issues are coming together but for the folks that are out there talking about you know civil conflict and 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 what have you i'm telling you nothing occurs without major economic interest behind it okay um there's not going to be a a rising up quote unquote of of folks just over the the passing of unjust and unlawful uh uh dictates mandates. Are, are there going to be people who are angry? Yeah, absolutely. I'm angry. Um, but there's, there's not going to be a civil conflict until economic powers get behind it. Now, with, with seven minutes left, where do you fit into that equation? Where do you come in? You have to be prepared for that day when that time arises. You have to be prepared for that. And how do you do that? With training. You have to be ready to offer the absolute most to your community at the local most level and to that effort, to that wider effort. You have to be able to have the most broadest amount of skill possible. And that comes from what you are doing right now. That comes from training. To get the most number of skills possible. To get the medical training. We've got an, an incredible crowd out here. Magmatic is running his class. He's got a great crowd of folks out here. 
Patriots from from all walks of life, literally. And, you know, this coming week, going to have an incredible group of folks, RTO, advanced RTO, signals intelligence. You have to be learning these skills now. You have to be getting those skills now. Now, you know, firearms, very, very critical. Firearms handling is very, very critical. But you got to understand, you're getting ready to be a warrior on the front lines of the fight for liberty. And however that shapes up, whatever goes into that, however you you envision this stuff, I'm telling you, civil conflict absolutely is on the horizon. It will not occur until the economics favor it and suit it. You got to understand, even the American Revolution, it was not an altruistic thing. It was a fight over economics. It was a power struggle between two different aristocracies that had developed a parallel between one another. It was an aristocracy here in America, in the United States, what became the United States in the colonies that said, wait a minute, we can be doing better off on our own without having to pay you these ridiculous taxes to finance your war against the French. That was what was occurring. That was the bigger picture. And that's the thing that a lot of patriots end up missing is that the economics are where it all comes from, where it all springs forth. You know, how do you plan on compensating folks? You know, you you have to be a person of means. You have to do that. You have to, and, and you know, idealism, I'm an idealist too. You know, I do what I do out of that recognition that that's what we're fighting for. But the reality of the situation is, is that that's only going to carry you so far. You know, you have to have a plan to pay your fighters, compensate your fighters, and to supply them, to support them. And that takes money. That takes the, the finances. And so until you have an economic interest that gets behind it, you know, the, the reality is, is that you're going to have to keep training. Your job, until that time occurs, is to get yourself as well prepared as possible. Get yourself as physically prepared as possible. Get yourself the most amount of training that you can. And I've got a lot of dates up on the training calendar. Brushbeater.org slash training calendar. Get over on there. I've got uh, over at Ready-Made Resources, I've got a fighting carbine course that is coming up. A few spots left in that class. You definitely want to get in on that You definitely want to get in on that. And that is immediately followed by a class that I've only taught in uh, private settings in the past by request, but intelligence collection and tradecraft. I'm telling you, you're going to have a lot of fun in that one. Uh, We have a lot of fun in that class, in that course. And so if, if you're looking for the collection end of intelligence, that is the class that you want. Uh, everything from the whole process of, of how we collect intelligence to uh, open sources to running surveillance and conducting your own surveillance detection routes and everything in between. Um, Two-day class, and again, it is up on the calendar. Going to have a heck of a lot of fun. But you need to be focused on training. You need to be focused on making yourself as well prepared for what is coming down the pipe as possible in as many ways as you can because you owe it to yourself you owe it to your family you owe it to your community and you owe it to your cause you owe it to your cause to to conservatism in america to sanity in america to accountability out of these politicians in this politburo which has infested itself in dc and openly tells us that they are accountable to none well let me tell you something That might be the world that that you think you live in right now, but I'm telling you, it's going to change. It is going to change, and it always does. But right now, just as the intro song says, rally around the family with a pocket full of shells. Keep yourselves safe, secure, and well-trained. Understand that a well-regulated militia means a well-trained militia. Anyhow, folks, with that said, happy Father's Day. God bless all of you out there. Stay 
in the fight. Stay engaged, stay educated, stay sharp, folks. God bless, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out. Back away!